Hi there, my name is Amanda Poole Walsh and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. Thank you so much for tuning in here today. So I love learning about different astrological traditions, the history, the perspective, and today I'm really happy to be sharing with you an astrological perspective that has some very deep roots, and that's Toltec astrology. And today I get to share the wisdom of Sergio Magana, who was initiated into the 5,000-year-old lineage of Mesoamerica, as well as the Toltec dreaming oral tradition, which has been handed down for over 1,460 years. Sergio covers the core importance astrology carried for the Toltec culture, how the day and time you're born indicate what your strengths would be in your lifetime and even what your name should be. He also covers some important misconceptions about the Mayan calendar, which we all heard a lot about leading up to 2012. But before we dive in, I wanted to share a little more about a really exciting event that we have coming up and give you a little more background on why Astrology Hub and astrologer Rick Levine have partnered up for the Astrology of relationships course that's happening October 25th and 26th. So as a Libra North Node and with my Saturn and Leo in the seventh house, it's clear to me why I'm so passionate about sharing the gift of relationship astrology with you. Astrology has been and continues to be a powerful tool I lean on every day to help me in my role as a mother, a partner, a friend, and a business owner. And I've shared some intimate aspects of this with you here on the podcast before. But what I was really curious about was why the master astrologer, Rick Levine, I wanted to know his why. Because when I asked him what type of workshop he wanted to teach, he could have taught anything with us. He was so clear that what he wanted to teach you about was relationships and how astrology can and cannot help you with the most important people in your life. So why is this so important to him? Of course, I was super curious about his personal story and he was really nice to share some background with me and now I get to share a little bit with you. So here's what he said. He said that he became aware of the power of astrology in his personal relationships during the painful ending of a second long-term intimate partnership. And when this partnership ended, he was really struggling with his self-esteem. He considered himself a failure. I'm sure some of you can relate with that feeling. What he noticed is that his relationships seemed to break down for similar reasons, though his partners were different in every possible way. So their astrology was totally different, their physical appearances were different, their nationalities, their family histories, their interests, their careers, their personalities, their communication styles, and everything else that he could imagine. So everything about these two women was different. And being the wise man that he is, he started searching for the common factor. He wondered, how can I find partners with the same damn issue, even though they're so different? And what he realized, I, probably with a lot of dismay at first, is that he was the common factor. It also might be no surprise to you astrology lovers out there that each of the relationships that broke down for him started and ended with Saturn transiting a significant point in his natal chart. So Rick discovered that patterns repeat, wearing different masks, until we learn the lessons that we are being taught. And so here are the three lessons that he learned and three lessons that he would love to pass on to you in our upcoming workshop time together. Number one, although relationships are a two-way street, the behavior of one can shift the dynamics of two. Number two, others interact with us based on how we interact with them. And number three, we can improve how we relate to others by seeing the patterns of change. Rick also says, I have not found a better tool than astrology in the toolbox of life for this purpose. I don't believe that astrology can tell us whether or not to pursue a specific relationship. 
I don't believe that astrology can tell us if a relationship will be successful, nor can it tell us if we should stay in a relationship or leave it. In my astrological practice, I have done hundreds of relationship charts. I have seen how astrology can make people more aware of their partner's desires, needs, strengths, and weaknesses, enabling them to modify their expectations, which can shift relationship dynamics in a more positive direction. So we all have relationships we'd love to improve, right? And if you join Rick's one-time-only virtual workshop, he's going to reveal things like what is and is not possible in your relationships with astrology as a tool, what to look for in yours and others' charts in terms of compatibility and potential challenge, what does your chart co-create energetically with another? This could be romantic, friendship, family, or coworker the right time and place for you for love, and we'll also do some real-time student chart readings for deeper clarity and skill. So if you are interested, if you are curious, just go to astrologyhub.com slash relationships and secure your spot in this workshop today. All levels of astrological background are welcome. If you're in the inner circle, you do receive a discount, so make sure you check your email inbox for your discount code and or email us at support at astrologyhub.com and we'll make sure that you get that discount code. So again, that's astrologyhub.com slash relationships. Would love to see you in the workshop October 25th and 26th. Of course, it's all recorded, so if you can't join live, you'll have it in your membership portal and you can refer back to it later. All right, back to today's episode. A little bit more about our guest, Sergio Magana, is a world-renowned mystic, healer, and teacher of the Nahual tradition. Although raised in a traditional Catholic home in Mexico, Magana was surrounded by ancient Mexican spiritual practices from the time he was a child. As I said earlier, he was later initiated into the lineage of Mesoamerica, as well as the Toltec dreaming oral tradition. For many years, Magana used his gift to help others heal from all kinds of conditions. And while thousands were getting help, he struggled with the burden of his gift, especially with knowing that people were attracted to him simply because of what he could do for them. I'm sure many of you healers out there have had that feeling before. So what happened for Sergio is that after receiving a powerful insight, he discovered that the power to heal is not limited to a select few. And so now Magana is devoted to teaching others his spiritual and healing knowledge in workshops all over the world. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Sergio, it is so wonderful to have you here with us today on the Astrology Hub podcast. Thank you for joining us. No, welcome. Welcome. And before starting, we had a great moment. We start laughing. So I think we will have a great interview. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, great. Well, let's start with what Nahuatl is, like a little bit about the history, what it is. Nahuatl is a language, the, the main language that was spoken before the conquest in the center of Mexico. So it is known that at least the Toltecs and the Aztecs spoke uh, Nahuatl. There is still two million people that, I na that are native Nahuatl speakers in the modern Mexico. And there are previous versions that like, for example, Latin or Sanskrit that were that are not spoken anymore, that uh, we think were spoken by Teotihuacans and Chichimecas. So it would be like a lineage at least of 3,000 years of knowledge, including healing, dream work, uh, astrology, calendar. So it's a huge body of, now, uh, of knowledge that we called of the Nahua people. And worldwide is much more known as Toltec because of Carlos Castaneda, of course. Then it came Miguel Ruiz with uh, other version. But 
So that's why uh, normally for branding, you put it Toltec or something like that, but it's not really accurate. It's, it's a group, uh, it's an inheritance of 3,000 years of different cultures. Mm, interesting. And what does studying that language reveal? Like what, what kind of information is hidden within that language? For example, I didn't learn Nahuatl that I still, I, because it's so, so difficult. Because like the ancient words, uh, sorry, uh, languages like Sanskrit and all these ones are inclusive. So they don't have grammar like ours. So for example, if, if uh, they begin cutting the words and doing huge words, for example, if it will be the computer of Sergio, it will be Compuser. It's broken, Compuser, bro. And, and like that, you, will, you are getting like the roots. So it's really, really complicated. But I didn't understand, I didn't learn really like to speak. I learned with uh, my teacher, Charlotte, that is one of the main linguists, and uh, that he also has like a master in the in history of Mexico, but uh, he doesn't agree with anything that is officially taught, but at least he has seen the other version. And that he studies because went with all the remaining teachers, the old people, uh, how can I, can I say it? All the cosmology. So you get the cosmology even in counting from 1 to 13. You get everything. And what I can do is, for example, if I see the words, I say, this comes from Tlali, the, da, 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 like etymology. But with that, you have a lot for the meaning, what was really meant before the modern language, and many of the hidden secrets. I live in um, Hawaii. And the Hawaiian language is similar. There's, there's always, a, it's called the kauna, which is the hidden meaning behind a story or a song or a chant. And it's so nuanced that the language, without understanding the language, it's really hard for us to grasp what they were actually trying to say. So I, what I'm getting is that it's similar. Yeah, of course, in the, in the way of healing, in the metaphors that are like in the oral tradition. And for example, just to give you uh, how different it is, because it's a beautiful language, Tlazokamati, in a dictionary, and everyone would tell you thank you. But it really means like the precious essence flies from my uh, mouth to your, <laughs> to your being. So all these things are like in all the world. So if you get like the normal meaning, you lost like the, the complete thing. Well, and what that does is reflect how like deeply spiritual and connected they were to even have a statement that meant that, you know, and then we've been like, oh, it means thank you. It's like, actually, no, it was like so much deeper than that, right? Of course, because they, they were, for example, now the, the culture is totally misunderstood because Teotl uh, means energy and essences that they that's how they name all the energies that were inside and outside you and when the conquistadors came they confused it with the greek root theo and to the energies they put gods so now what is officially in the in the tradition is like the ancient gods and actually they were the the real meaning of the of the ancient tradition were energies that are inside you and outside you so even for that uh, we cannot trust a lot of what is written now because almost uh, everything is lost. Wow, interesting. Okay, so let's let's move to um, Toltec and Aztec astrology. What role did astrology play for those cultures? Oof, and uh, I say oof, really, because if you see what is known abroad about uh, the Mexican cultures, mainly is the, the calendar. 
the Mayan calendar, uh, the obsession of, with all these cultures about measuring time and making prophecies of time. And so everything was based in calendar. For example, these people are still every time that they find the underworlds or channels uh, or secret uh, chambers or all these things, looking for kings and that to see if there was like a blood-related uh, succession to be king and that they will never find that because everything was done through calendar. So uh, when it was calculated, they will see this could be a ruler. So probably you could be the son or the daughter of a farmer and you will be taken to the um, school of, of, of eventually become ruler or an artisan. Or, or even you could be the, the, the son or daughter of the actual ruler. And if it was meant that you were going to be that answer, they will take you to the school of dance. Okay, so let me just make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. So it wasn't based necessarily on bloodline. It was based on time. So like when you were born was the indicator of what you would end up being in that lifetime. What would be your best talents? Your best talents, okay. Your best talents, so in order so that it would be, uh, you would be good in what you do. Of course, many people say that's against uh, free will. I don't think so, because you had like your free will to be born in that moment. <laughs> so uh, it's called Tonalamatl, actually the study, and it gives you like a day with a number. It gives you the rulers of the day. It gives you with the time also something like, like the rising uh, with a quarter of the time even more specific. Uh, and I think the most interesting thing about these uh, studies are that are the only ones that I think uh, made a huge analysis of who are you awake, like your tonal, and who are you sleeping, your nawal. So that will give you, and you may see, like your problems come from your dream time, or that your problems are in the, in, or your talents in the waking time and everything. So it, it was. And then in the beginning, uh, in the origin, your, your parents will see your tonalamat. And of course, they would choose a name that would be easy to make your life easy. And for example, uh, in the first, because then you can change of name uh, in the ancient times. For example, if I was named, for example, my day of birth was Eight Lisa. So originally, my, uh, probably, unless it's really, really difficult, my parents would have called me Eight Lisa. And then uh, ladies at nine, uh, gentlemen, men at 13, would, uh, are able to change the name. And you change the name according, it's very interesting. For example, you see your chart, you cannot name yourself however you want. Because it is said that the, the earth gave you all these possibilities according to your birth uh, chart. So, see, if, oh, for example, if I had a lizard, then I changed it uh, when I was an adult to Ocelo Coyote. That means Coyote Jaguar. That are two of my influences. Why? Because one of my teachers says, because there is, choose the, uh, the most difficult one because that will make you advance in this in this. Uh, life much more. Other ones says, I choose the who addicted to suffering, uh, choose the easy one. For example, my personal opinion is see of your chart what you have already lived. And if there are new things that you would like to explore, and in that time when I changed, because it was in 2010, my name, uh, I was really interested in, in dreaming and lucid dreaming and all these kind of things. 
So those two animals are like the uh, animals of Tezcatlipoca, one of the essences inside outside you that rules dreams. So I chose them because even it's a it's a difficult combination because you are combining a cat with a dog, coyote and jaguar. But in the beginning, emotionally, it was like having like like two different versions uh, of something. But then it settled down. I really developed in the past uh, now nine years, almost 10, like a lot of the original purpose, uh, advancing in my abilities to dream in order to also learn conscious dying and all these things. Mm, Wow. So what I'm hearing is that the birth chart dictates not only where your gifts and your skills will be in the lifetime, but also dictates your name, which, which helps you to grow into being that person and that there's an emphasis on the importance of the name as well. Like you actually changed the name so that you could bring in new qualities to your reality. Because of course, how you are named has an impact. Because I was born Christian. Of course, I entered in the tradition after. So my original name, like you see, is Sergio, uh, that I still use it, no? But uh, in Nahuatl, the first one that I have is Ocelo Coyote. But imagine that uh, my parents would have been in the tradition or something like that. I would have named Eight Lisa. That that my day or or something else. But then if I am named Eight Lisa, what is emphasized in my life are the characteristics of an Eight Lisa. Because how your name has, has a vibration and everyone. And they, they didn't only refer to people. It was also referred to the directions, to the energies. They know you as Eight Lisa. For example, when you are going to change name, it's a huge ceremony which you are presented to the fire, to the directions, to, to the community, to the water, to wind, to everything with the new name and everyone is shouting, and then they show, throw you uh, petals and corn. So in order that the new life will be with beauty and everything. So, and then I'm thinking, because I'm three years from, what else? Where would I like to go? Is there any rules around how many times you can change your name? Mm, no. Uh, according how many, uh, how old <laughs> you, you get. And also some people, especially in the modern times, uh, from my students, uh, from everywhere, because people sometimes don't realize the importance of changing names. That's why the kings change name. The popes and everything is entering like in a new path. So sometimes when that path in the first years, because for me it was terrible, not terrible. Of course, many things, my life changed completely from being in Mexico to write books, to tour around the world and everything. But in the, in the beginning, I, was, I thought that I was shy and all these things. I was suffering my tour terrible and like that. And I said, oh my God. Uh, but it came uh, with a change of name. And of course, I was planting uh, right bestsellers and tour around the world. But then I said... I'm not being happy. In that moment, I could have decided to go back, but something was telling me, you have done the correct thing. Many of my students, when it gets tough, that is not get tough, is you are really getting the change that you asked. Don't wait, and they tell me, can I change to something else? And okay, and I, I give them advice and they make. But normally it would be uh, for ladies every nine years, for men every 30. Uh, and of course, if you are loving what is happening, for example, probably I won't change. I don't know what is, uh, 
how it's going to be after the 13 years of Ocelocoyotl. Probably I will be the happiest one in the world and I, and I will think why to change. Hmm. Wow, it's fascinating how much importance is placed there and how our modern culture doesn't do that, like doesn't place this emphasis, doesn't, you know, people just like choose a name they like because it sounds good, but there's no real connection with what that means for the person throughout their lifetime. And I, I just, I love what you're bringing up here. And I know just from going through a divorce, honestly, going back to my maiden name was huge. It changed. I mean, it, it felt imperative that I do it. And then once I did it, 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 I'm, it's a different life. Like it's a different um, energy completely. And it's the one that I came in with, but going back to it was really significant. Of course, everything changes with the vibration and the name. Of course, when you know what, what those names mean and with which characteristics, uh, uh, characteristics are going to bring you, okay, it gives more like, okay, what do I prefer? Uh, success or inner development uh, about uh, with all the <laughs> influences that you have that you have from A to 10 and then it's in the way for example people sometimes says money money and I said okay so I begin looking and sometimes they don't have the influences for money in, in all the 10 I said okay let's try to make for example one of movement and of flowering <laughs> that means manifesting with VOT that makes you easier together with all the path that you are doing, like manifest money, if you are going to, to send it that, because by birth, you don't have that influence. So it's very interesting and it's very concrete. And of course, the months, uh, what we call months, because they were months, they were a group of 20 days. They go with these, uh, with these signs and with these glyphs. And for example, it's like the development of of human beings that has been known that now it has been, for example, these, these books in the late books of philosophers and that, and how the, the development of humans should happen to become complete. But even from the Toltec times, the Atihuacans, they had this, this calendar that it starts with a crocodile and finishes with a flower. Crocodile is a sustenance. So... The first thing that you have to deal like a human being is how to sustain yourself. Uh, that in the past that were good crops or good harvest and all these things. And nowadays it's money. And at the end, flowering means enlightenment. So every, every uh, 20 days is giving you the opportunity to remember the path. And of course, it's combined with a number that then you will know, for example, there are certain numbers that make it easy. And I truly live my life with that. Eh? Uh, sometimes you, you cannot because there are certain compromises or something like that. that for example, today's for rain. Four is the number of the... Um, in Nahuatl, it means Nawi. That, for example, if you look in the dictionary, they will only tell you four. But it's Nantli, mother, we order, the order of the mother. And rain is a purification. So today is a very good day to do uh, purifications for the earth and for, for yourself. That will take you to, to be like in a perfect uh, path in Mother Earth. Mm, beautiful. Okay. In your book, Dawn of the Sixth Sun, you highlight 2012 to 2021 as being a very pivotal moment in time. So according to the Toltec, Aztec tradition, whichever one we're, we're, we're using right now, what is happening to us and our planet from that, that period of time? 
that is similar to uh, what was said about the Mayan calendar in 2012. But what happens is in the outer ring of the Aztec calendar that I suggest really to your audience to Google Aztec calendar. Because many times when you Google Mayan calendar, in 60% of the times what appears is the Aztec calendar, the, at least the picture. So people think really even in one big, big, how do you call this, summits, uh, one of the most important companies uh, that run summits, they were uh, telling the, it was going to be the summit about experts of the Mayan calendar and the picture was the Aztec. So that they are cousins. I'm not saying one is better, one is... Uh, they both is they both is split at what we would be calling like weeks in 13 and that is like the solar wave like the what we will be calling like months in 20 and like that so they have similar but they they adapted different archetypes and of course some of the great measures are different so for example the outer ring of the aztec calendar if you see it it has like two serpents they don't look exactly like serpents but i'm telling you what it is uh, that have a human face with certain feathers. And every time that you see in the Toltec Aztec tradition, uh, serpents with feather face, that means the long count. The long count is a cycle of 26,500 years that was started to be measured with Egyptians, like a Kishon, uh, precession of equinoxes. So that, of course, many other cultures saw, for example, that's why even in Western astrology, they split the, the, the long count in the eras, that all of them have 2,000 and whatever. And if you put all them together, you will get to the same uh, number. That is, are the processions of equinoxes. So for the Toltec Aztec tradition, everything was said that was based in four movements. Four movements means that you need four movements in order to create a new cycle in whatever. So, for example, you have like the four elements or the um, four, uh, four main moments of the day, dawn, midday, uh, sunset, midnight, the four phases of the moon, solstices, equinoxes in order to move to the next one. So they splitted the long count in, in four. So that, give you, that gives you 6,625 years. The Mayan calendar was split into five. I don't know the logic why, uh, because I am I'm really honest. I admire the Mayan things. I love to go, but I don't study them. I study the Toltec, Aztec lineages because I had the fortune to meet one of the few and best teachers that are still available. So I haven't really entered, but I know that they split it into five. So their count is for 5,000 whatever years. But it's the same thing. So... The Mayan calendar is more precise like in, and has more measures. For example, that if, like ours, that for example, if today is 30, uh, 31st of January, tomorrow will be 1st of, Jan uh, of December, tomorrow will be 1st of January, and it changes. So that was, that's, that was uh, why they were saying in 21st of December of 2012, the world was ending, because it was the last one written. The Toltec Aztec calendar are not that precise, at least in this measure, because they say that all these big changes are like in nature. That, for example, at night, it's night, and suddenly it begins entering uh, little by little, like the, the light, and then it becomes light, so that it takes a, a period of transition. 
So for the count that, for example, my teacher Uber taught me, the huge change started in 1991 because in a full eclipse uh, that happened here in Mexico City. Uh, and it will finish uh, in 2021. Uh, what it means is that in that eclipse, the sixth sun started entering little by little in the kingdom of the fifth. Uh, they will, uh, it was said that they will get to the same power in the 2012 and that now, slowly, slowly, the, not so slowly, but the fifth sun is leaving to allow the sixth to rule for 6,000 and uh, whatever years, the next ones. So when I wrote that book, it was like 2010 and it was published in 2011. I was really criticized by many people because they were saying, how you are the only one that takes that, that has that count, uh, you are making it up. <laughs> and something like that. And I said, I just put that what is what my teacher uh, Hugo told. But then uh, for the tradition, that's why you need to know the numerology. Uh, 20 is like, reflects like to the earth, like to the tonal, the waking state, uh, state the outside. So uh, what I put in that in that book is like the first 20 years from 20, from 92 to 2012, we're going to see changes outside, but not really inside. That the last ones, the, the, because nine represents until we, we get to 2021, uh, is the number of the underworlds. That that is when it was going to be really tough and the, all the hidden things were going to come out and like that. And... At the end, many people were, that read that book and is reading it said, okay, probably he had like the good count and not the others because actually what has happened in the past years, if you see, it has been, it entered like, because before it was much more outside. It was technology, this, that, that, and adapting. But now everyone, a lot of things are facing crisis, economies, politics, everything collapsing. So in the change inside is being forced. So I told them, I, I just put, because this was 2010, that the, according to this count, the last nine years were going to be really more difficult. If you didn't know how to deal with that, uh, if you did, it could be really great. And I think it's happening. So and we're going to the 2021. What's the difference between the fifth and the sixth sun? Like, how does that manifest? How does that look? When uh, the suns alternate exactly everything, Toltec actually means from, from something, that, a word that means Tolly. Tolly is measure. So the ones that knew the measure of the cosmos. So everything is based in cosmic measures. Nothing, no one channel, no one bring uh, by God the tablets, nothing. Everything are cosmic measures. So uh, exactly that is established both in Majan and in the Toltec as the calendar, everything is like a matrix. So the, how can I say it? The same, that's why, for example, the hours are named exactly like the days. And then the fractions of hours are like the days and then they continue. It's like a matrix that keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. So if you see the, the small movements, then you calculate the big movements. So the main big movement is night and day. So the ancient ones, so that one, uh, that one sun belong, belongs to the tonal and the other to the nawal. Tonal means your waking state. So when we're awake, we're looking outside. So where is God? Outside. And if you see the past 6,000 years were uh, amazing for religions. Where is medicine? Outside. Where is satisfaction? Outside. Then you need to make war and everything. And I remember because when I was a child, everyone just was just happy being <laughs> having a good job or going to church on Sunday and a family. 
And we have seen the transformation because now we're entering a zone of darkness. Darkness doesn't mean bad for the ancient ones. It's like you have to close the eyes. So you must begin looking inside. And looking inside, the first thing that you see are your underworlds where your mind is trapped. So many people are seeing like the, their own problems, their own issues, this, this terrible crisis that we're seeing everywhere. Of course, the other order wants to survive and is creating a lot because there is always a thing. Then it's a world of dreams. The dreams are going to create your reality for the spiritual people. But if you see what has happened, actually, even in dreams, there is no time. Things happen if you say, uh, butterfly, now it appears. Even for the people that is not spiritual at all, technology is making leave them their the sixth song because things are getting quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. Of course, I would love to live it through spirituality, not through technology, but it's happening. So how is going to be the sixth song? We don't know. Is the power of the inner self and that. Of course, by the names of the sons, it's a little bit more, the name of this son is a little bit more auspicious because it means, it is named Istaktonatu, that means the white sun. So the white sun, the whitest Katlipoka uh, of the gods, but they are not gods, essences inside, outside us, is Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl, that is the feather serpent known around the world, but it's not exactly that. Also means Quetzal is rising of the serpent, like Kundalini. So that's why it was a discipline in which the serpent entered and then became a birth to go to the sun. So it's also like a prophecy of becoming your best possibility. So I think it's going to be kinder. But like it's a huge, huge cycle of 6,625 years. I don't know in the first years. I don't know if the ones that I were alive, we may see that kindness of the sun. Maybe we will see that we can uh, get to our best possibility. And if you are creating that vibration, then it will expand. Is there anything else you'd want to share with us about the Toltec and Aztec astrology and how they worked with it and how we can incorporate some of its elements in the way that we think about astrology. Okay. For example, the, like I, I learned with people of the oral tradition, it's very different of the modern ones. So for example, I will give you an example again. <laughs> so each year, there are four types of years. Each year, for example, uh, if it's a year house, uh, the day starts at... 12.43 a.m. at night. So that, it, that are like the ones that are similar to us. Then if it's then the year the rabbit, the day starts 6.43. And like that, they are adding six hours every, every year in order not to, not to add the day more in the leap year. It's, that is how, how it's said, not the 29th of February. So many of the things that are online and that, they don't make that correction. So I haven't found yet uh, because they make a program exactly like if it was that only works for the year house. And so basically we can't trust a lot of the information that's online for people that are interested in the Toltec and Aztec astrology. It's not, it's, it's not accurate. I'm planning to do, I plan to do that, that in the future, like a program in order to, to get it, uh, like, how can I say it? Like accurate. So for now I calculated uh, manually for the people that it is, but 
what I do in my newsletter is that I send every 13 days, like because the day one of the count, the counts of the numbers go from one to 13. So the, the, the day first is the one that is ruling all the 13 days. So every 13 days I send, for example, two days ago it was Sekoxquautl, uh, means one bulge. And then all the next 13 days are ruled by the vulture. That means uh, shedding of heavy energy, uh, opportunities for wisdom and that. So what I put is like a little advice, uh, for example, second only. And like that for all the next 13 days. And I send like a meditation in which I, so that people can really begin incorporating at least in the day that they are. And for example, I am very clear that these days don't sign anything about business and nothing like that. This day, whatever is suspicious or whatever. And I calculate it manually. <laughs> right. All right. So where do people go to learn more about you? Uh, SergioMagana.com. On Facebook, Sergio Magana. Okay, great. So if people want to start working with the energies and start to understand some of the philosophy, then they can go to your website and sign up for your newsletter and they'll get the emails every 13 days, correct? Yes, with a group of 13 days. And I always put like a small meditation to grow uh, according to the day one so that they can work with the energy of the next 13 days. That's so great. Awesome. All right, Sergio, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been such a pleasure. For me too, such a pleasure and hope to see you again and go deeper. Yes, same here. Thank you. Thank you, Sergio. Thank you. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And before you go on with your day, remember to check out the Astrology of Relationships workshop at astrologyhub.com slash relationships. And next week, please join us for another episode, this one with astrologer Linda Bird. And in this episode, we get into some awesome conversation about 2020. You'll want to make sure and tune in for that. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning into this episode, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. I'll catch you on the next episode. Relationships, putting your dreams into action, your ideal career path. What themes are up for you to explore this month? Find out now by downloading Astrology Hub's free lunar cycle calendar for this month. The calendar gives you details on the current cosmic curriculum, including the theme, mantras, daily aspects, and journal prompts you can use to work with the energy. Just go to www.astrologyhub.com calendar to get your free lunar cycle calendar now. That's astrologyhub.com calendar. Hi, this is Chris Kaplan, the producer of the Astrology Hub podcast. This episode is over, but check the show notes for links to products and services you've heard about during this episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and rate using the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts.